Sometimes no matter how much planning you put into something, your plans can end up failing. In fact, consider how the, probably the event that had the most planning throughout history, the trip to the moon, had the most people, probably the, the greatest mathematicians that probably ever lived, all working together, the greatest in communications and travel, and they all had this plan to send someone. And after traveling nearly a, over a quarter million miles and orbiting the moon, even then, Neil Armstrong knew by looking down at the surface of the moon and, and seeing a landmark that he was three, that's right, three seconds off. Talk about planning. But even then, even as they had their math and they had their plans, he was still three seconds off, which meant several hundred meters in a different landing site. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle just to plan the next day or to chunk out the hours of the day and to decide how long it will take. And it seems you can never have enough time to get everything done. And so our plans fail. And I've probably spoken to at least a dozen different people who either themselves or one of their family members had to explain that this year that because of some health setback or other challenge, they're, they're basically living their life day by day, just planning one day at a time. It's about as much as I think we can handle. But what we find comfort in today is when we look at our God, His plans never fail because He lives he lives to carry out and fulfill all of his plans, his plans for us and for our good, his plans for his kingdom in which we will forever live, plans which will never fail and go on into eternity. That's what Peter was explaining about seven weeks after Easter as he spoke to the crowd about Jesus and God carrying out his plans. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Jesus of Nazareth, that, that title that tells you he was just like us. He grew up in a, a lowly town and he was just, by all appearances, a man and lived as truly a man. And Jesus of Nazareth, yet they knew, was far more than an ordinary man as they saw him carrying out these miracles, wonders, and signs, this man who would heal the sick and raise the dead. This man, it seemed, could plan and do everything. And he could carry out everything, determined and carrying out that plan. Jesus, it says, ran into something that would be unexpected. It almost seemed, you could say, like his plans had failed. But Peter says, this man, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was handed over to you. Handed over to people? That is, handed over as he was betrayed by a, a friend, a disciple, and handed over to the authorities. It says he was handed over to you with the help of wicked men and put him to, they put him to death by nailing him to the cross. See, anybody that knew Jesus knew, yes, he, he looked like a man, but he was so much more. And yet it seemed like his plans had failed as he was betrayed, arrested, bound, and hung on a cross. But note what Peter says here. 
Peter says, this man was handed over to you. And this, this parenthetical remark is key. He says, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God planned this? Did the NASA engineers and physicists and those who planned the trip to the moon plan to crash and leave them on the moon dead? You don't plan for failure. Who does this? But Peter makes it very clear. By God's deliberate plan, that is, God's will, he planned this out. And his foreknowledge, God knew exactly what was going to happen, not just down to three seconds, but to every moment of every action of Jesus' life, including this. And that should be for our comfort. That despite the evil plans of this world, God's plans cannot fail. He even planned this out. And what we have to look at here is why? Because this world does plan evil, God must account for evil in his plans and with his foreknowledge. He sees that though he plans something out, this world plans designs against his will. And so God is ever working in a world that opposes his plans. And sadly, we're probably familiar with that. Peter says, by God's deliberate plan, it says they carried out their deliberate plan to go against God and to kill Jesus. Maybe we have at times made our own will and our own plans. And our plans, even though we have knowledge, we know what's going to come, we make those plans against the will of God. But God, in grace, still carries out his plan every step of the way. It says, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, Jesus was put to death by the help of wicked men who put him to death by nailing him on a cross. Every step of the way was the plan of God to send his son. The son of God deliberately knew this would happen. He said, I will be crucified. He knew he would be betrayed. He knew he would suffer greatly on the cross. And that shows us not just God's foreknowledge, but his grace that he plans, even though we, you and I, and all this world plans against him, he still plans in grace to rescue us from all evil. And the Son of God plans to go to take that sin on himself and to fulfill the greatest plan in history that God's Son, the very Son of God, God in the flesh, would take on himself the sins, the sin of the world. And that by that plan, we would find rescue. But it doesn't end there. Peter goes on. According to God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. You know, that, that title, agony of death, actually kind of brings in the picture, if you're familiar with pregnancy, how there's, there's birth pains that, that kind of lead to the pregnancy will result in a birth to come. Peter's basically describing Jesus being in the tomb as like the earth is holding him, just knowing it's going to give birth to new life, that Jesus will rise again. Death could not hold him. And after three days, God raised him. Death could not keep its power over him. And then Peter makes clear, you know, this was part of God's plan. Let me explain how you can know that this was all God's plan. David spoke 700 years, I'm sorry, David spoke a thousand years earlier 
I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Now Peter goes on as he says here, I can pretty well assert that David died. And we all know David is placed in the tombs of the kings of the kings of Israel, and David is still in his tomb to this day. But David was a prophet. And David had been heard, David had been told God's plan, and he heard how God had promised a king would come. And God, long before, a thousand years before this even happened, gave details through David of how his son would be placed in the tomb and then rise again. And David was confident that whatever came, even death, even if David in his old age could only plan one day at a time, he knew he would not be shaken. He could echo these words for himself, words of the Messiah, the Chosen One, who would rescue this world by conquering the grave. And so we know, because God has risen to life, our plans will never fail. Yes, there, there will be times when we, when we live day by day, thinking, I don't know what's to come. And there will be times, even when our plans end up going against God's will, but in mercy, he takes away our sin and reveals to us a wonderful plan that we will rise with Christ and all who trust in him will never be shaken and we will not forever remain in the realm of the dead, but our bodies will be restored. Now, I don't know if your plans go way into the future, or if your plans are simply for what you're going to eat for supper tonight. But make this your plan, to live forever in the kingdom of your God, so that you know whatever comes your way, because God's plans do not fail, and because Jesus, the Son of God, lives forever, he lives to fulfill all of his plans, including the plan that you will live with him as David finishes part of this psalm, that you fill me with joy in your presence. It's a plan for you to live with your living Savior and with David and with Peter and with all the crowd that was listening and believed, with all of God's people. God's plans will be fulfilled because he lives and we will live with our living God forever. So make your plans. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Amen.